The Four Diegos, proudly brought to you by Tax Talk. We love to talk tax. Call 1300 366 639. This week we sit back, relax and share a special soft sombrero moment with a genuine and undisputed Aussie soccer legend, a good friend of the Four Diegos, Johnny Warren. Good morning to you, Johnny. Yes. How, how are you, mate? This is Carlos Alberto Diego. With me today is Warren Diego. Good morning, Johnny. Hey, Warren, how are you? Very I think good. he was named after you, mate, just quietly. And uh, we've got Vinnie Venezuela. And I wasn't named after you. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. I know things are tight, mate. You've got to get a uh, flight out of Brisbane. From all reports, your birthday celebration last week at the Sydney Town Hall was a special and emotional event, although the punters were slightly disappointed that Les Murray ended up jumping out of the cake rather than Mika Bucken, mate. A good time was had by all, and the function ended up raising a lot of money for cancer research. Now you're uh, 60 years old. Uh, last week's party must have been a highlight of your life. Yeah, it was. It was a get-together of, of uh, a lot of uh, friends around the football community, a lot of new friends which I'm making uh, within the cancer circles of, uh, of uh, survivors, people who survived the cancer thing, people who have it, or people who are trying to help. So that's another, another world that I'm living in at the moment. So I have my soccer family or football family, and now I have my cancer family as well. And a lot of those were there. We had a, it was an immense night for me. Everyone had a good time. Uh, and uh, we've just been in Brisbane last night uh, on, a, on a similar function. I've got to get in so many functions. Uh, associated with the cancer cause that uh, hope we're going to leave room for football down the track but anyhow. Now Johnny in celebrating your your birthday you're also raising money towards cancer research can you tell us how much money you raised and as you travel around the world uh, travel around Australia you must be really happy with the amount of help you you can give to the cancer research people. Well and mainly through through football through our sport you know we are the biggest uh, sport, I believe, in terms of supporters, in, st- in terms of participants in Australia, and uh, associated with that, we're, we're going to try to lift uh, the awareness of cancer. I mean, a third of cancers are avoidable, um, and none of us do much about it. Uh, we get detected too late, or we, we sit in the sun too much, or eat the wrong foods, don't exercise, all those types of things, you know. So we just want to lift that awareness and get people to... to uh, to fight this disease and as a team we can beat it but if we individually it's very hard to beat it you need a lot of help around and the football community uh, in Australia have been fantastic to me I've been overwhelmed with the amount of support I've had from them Now Johnny are you wearing your I love the Sweeney report t-shirt today? <laughs> no, <laughs> no I haven't no I haven't I've got my uh, professional cancer fighter which is my occupation now I've got that t-shirt on today so I'll try and get one down to you now uh, you must be chuffed at all the the feedback and response. Apparently, you know the PM from from the PM to the uh, Britney Spears. Everyone sent you a congratulate congratulatory telegram for your sixtieth. Do you ever sit back and wonder how did I do it? How did I get so good? I do sit back and wonder how I got involved in this great game. Um, and of course, I I grew up. Uh, our game wasn't as popular as it is, is now. There were no heroes of uh, soccer heroes, and my sporting heroes were from all other sports of swimming, golf, tennis, and, you know, our game didn't figure in, in your youth. And a group of kids uh, sat down in the church uh, youth group, and I was only five years of age, and were there with my two older brothers, and for some reason those kids decided to play soccer. Um, and that, in those days, of course, was particularly living in an area like uh, South Sydney, which was a great rugby league area, uh, area at that time, the top, top uh, rugby league area in uh, New South Wales. 
and we'll let those kids decided soccer, and then we've been involved ever since. Thank God. Yeah. Now, Johnny, I'm just wondering if you've been able to um, get in contact with Frank Lowy this week and console the poor man. We know that he's dropped from the second richest man in Australia to the third. I'm just wondering, uh, is he still prepared to go on with uh, the presidency of Soccer Australia? And um, how do you think that's all travelling right at the moment? Yeah, well, he's uh, been uh, known Frank for a long, long time. I mean, the thing about Frank is that it's not daddy's money in inherited or business. He arrived here uh, uh, after World War Two with uh, what he stood in. So it was a start from scratch. He'd lost uh, half his family in the, the Holocaust and, and a true football person. I believe he will hang in. Uh, we are involved and we, we take a lot of pride in being instrumental in getting him back involved in the game. And uh, the type of people he's dragging in, I think is just it's going to be great. Everyone I've spoken to agrees with it. I mean, there may be people out there who don't, but... Um, the general consensus is that it's going to be fantastic for our game. Mm. We are talking to Johnny Warren, Aussie soccer legend here on the Four Diego Soft Sombrero moment. Johnny, it's Carlos again, mate. Uh, just on the on the point of the Crawford report and where it's at at the moment. Uh, what do you make of the of the three board members at the moment who are making things a little bit uh, tougher? Um, I think it's Les Avery, Dominic Galati, and also um, Paul Afcos. Uh, I mean, what do you make of of the three just trying to fight tooth and nail to not make this work easily? Well, they're not representing anyone, really, are they? Who, who are they representing? Apparently the stakeholders. <laughs> but my, my understanding is that stakeholders want... Um, well, I'm a stakeholder, I guess. Yeah. Well, and uh, I want change. Exactly. The stakeholders want change. And with the report, and uh, we've travelled the country, north to south, to east to west, and met and spoken to thousands and thousands of people, I, I've yet to meet anyone who didn't want change. Mm. And these guys are just stopping... You know, stopping the game. They have no shame at all. They're there. They're not representing anyone at all. But the message is very clear. The public, we do not want them. Um, they are holding the game back and bringing the game, bringing the game into disrepute, as they always like to find players, don't they? They're bringing the game into disrepute. I don't know what they're doing at the moment. Mm. Now, Johnny, we were talking about your birthday last week, and on the World Game, there was another legend who was farewelling Australia. Just a couple of words on Frank Arrock's contribution to Australian soccer. I think, for me, the memories of him coaching Australia are probably the fondest memories in the last um, 25 years. He's certainly been a great servant to the game as he goes back to his native country to retire with his grandchildren. Yeah, 30-odd years. It's amazing. And he came to our club, St George, and he came at a time when you... Uh, you know, the, the coaching science um, in those days... Uh, you know, if you won the game, you did one lap of the oval. If you drew, you did 10. If you lost, you did 20. <laughs> that was the sort of the coaching science. That's being a little unfair, but you know what I mean. There was no scientific approach or professional aspect to it. And you trained once or twice, twice a week and things like that. Arrow came and suddenly brought all these new training methods and suddenly we were training as part-time players five times. And uh, he's, I'm a great admirer of Frank. His, his contribution has been enormous. I believe he should be kept here to continue to uh, contribute to the game. Or at least until they make a bronze statue out of him. Yeah. <laughs> but he has, and for family reasons, he's going back. I think his heart's always going to be here. Though. He and his wife love Australia. But he was a coach when uh, the Socceroos, it was probably just before the exodus started, wasn't it? Mm. I think Eddie Krenchevich was probably our only one uh, when Arrock came in who was based overseas. Mm. And it was a chance for us to have a very active national team program. I think one year there he played 20, they played 29 games, yeah. qualifying for the Olympics, beating a full-strength Yugoslavia at the Olympics, 
beating Nigeria at the Olympics. Uh, some great results in, in that time and, and some great teams. Uh, mm. So, great contribution, and sorry to see him go, but that's, uh, mm. as you said, that's the way it goes. So. When, when I reflected back to that time, Johnny, I was uh, sort of a, a younger bloke coming through, and, and at the same time, I just remember thinking, you know, I grew up thinking, you know, why isn't Australian soccer more respected? Why aren't we winners? Why, you know, all these sort of things. I used to have to defend the game yeah. at school and stuff like that all the time, and to my friends uh, who liked their Aussie rules and stuff like that. And I just remember during the Frank Garrock era, I just found immensely proud of the respect that he brought into the into the, the squad. You just knew when they guys when those guys ran into the field that every one of them were going to die for that shirt. And I suppose that legacy that still remains now. And I said, I suppose a lot of the as far as technically more gifted players overseas that come back and play for Australia, uh, the accusations are that, that they don't probably play with the same heart. Yeah. What are your thoughts about that? Right, I think it was the best era for the Socceroos. That's my opinion. Um, uh, the best era that we had. The, a lot of the boys together, you had that bicentennial, uh, bicentennial Gold Cup, you know, when they beat Argentina. For, yeah. that, was a, that was a night and a half uh, for Australian soccer. You had those great battles with Israel. Um, you remember those, and the particular one in Melbourne. Uh, there when Ohana got set off, but we should have maintained links with uh, Israel, I believe. They were our sort of a derby team for us, as in fact Korea were. You remember during that era, Australia played in tournaments in Korea. Mm. And seldom yeah. did they get the better of us over a 20 year period, Korea, and then they're running fourth in the World Cup. It's a bit hard to swallow, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Now, Johnny, you know, even though the state of Australian soccer in our country is a bit sort of dodgy, the 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 well-being of the game, given our players overseas, has never looked better. Particularly when you look at uh, uh, our boys at Leeds and how well they finished off the season. <clears throat> Where do you think uh, Harry Kuehl should end up? Like, do you see him in a Man U strip or Liverpool? What do you think would be if you were giving him advice? Setting fans of the clubs. I think there's only two clubs for him to play for in England. And that's Manchester United or Arsenal. Otherwise, I believe to achieve his true potential, I think he can mix it with the very best, but he's not, that's not going to happen with him at Leeds. And I think his game, it hasn't gone backwards, but his game hasn't developed as much as it can by staying at Leeds, that's my view. And can I just ask you another Leeds question? How did you see um, Venables taking over Leeds? Obviously, they had big problems with him there, but what do you make of that whole Venables experience at Leeds? Yeah, well, it was uh, they needed something drastic. They needed a name. The, the previous manager had been fairly popular, hadn't he? Yep. Terry does have that charisma. Yeah which people uh, jump into, and obviously for the Aussie boys, particularly Paul Ocon, it was a, was, was a good move. But uh, I'm really confident of the game. I, I've never been more confident that the game is... We are, we are getting there in, in, in huge strides that our game is getting there. In the National League and all that, but the other aspects, women's football. We never talk about women's football. So it's 16% a year or growth figures in, in Australia. And just in regards to that, uh, Johnny, there was an article in, in a Melbourne newspaper this week at a leading private school. It's actually, there are more, more kids playing soccer than Australian rules now. And I'm just wondering, as you get into the twilight of your soccer career, do you think you'll, you'll pass away a happy man in the fact that soccer will be turned around in the next 20 years or so? Oh, yeah, I think it's been turned around. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, to sit and watch watch so many boys playing on the world stage. I mean, that was only a dream 20 years ago, wasn't it? Mm. Things that lots and lots of things have, have improved. And I think the World Cup did an immense amount for our cause, for the true believers like us who are building our head against the wall for many years, perhaps. But people finally sat, watched the World Cup, and two things. They said, why can't we stage the World Cup? Hence, governments getting involved, state governments, federal governments, and why aren't we there? 
Mm. Korea finished fourth. How come Senegal, the United States, how come Turkey, how can all these countries who, as a great sporting nation, um, people are saying, why aren't we there? What's going on? And loving what they saw. So I think the World Cup did, did a fabulous, probably the biggest job ever it's, uh, for, for Australian soccer, that people finally accepting us. We're not Sheila's Wogs Poofters. This is a great game played by great athletes, played in the, in the game of the, of the world. And we want to tap into that. And I think it's just awoken a lot of things in the, the sporting public here. More important in, in corporate Australia, more important in government Australia, that mm. people are suddenly paying attention to us. Let's, yeah. let's have the World Cup, all that stuff, you know. Thanks very much, Johnny. That was terrific stuff, mate. And uh, I hear that uh, you've got chan- uh, the chapter 11 of the book, uh, the extra uh, version coming in. It's, it's Johnny Warren and the Four Diego's, apparently, that chapter's all about. Is that right? <laughs> There'll be an updated uh, version in. It's a, a new chapter and some uh, uh, in July, July, and a new cover. Thanks very much, Johnny. We appreciate your time, mate. You're doing a great job. I hope you had a fantastic time last Saturday. It sounds like you did. You deserve it, mate. And uh, whatever happens with the Crawford Report and how it's going to be installed in the future has a lot to do with you, mate. Okay, thanks, lads. It's all the best. Good on you. Good work, eh? Bye. Good on you. That's Johnny Warren, Aussie soccer legend here on the Fort Diego Soft Sombrero moment. And Vinny Venezuela. Isn't he a great man? He's a great man. He's an icon. And he's not well at the moment either. So, I mean, that's, uh, that's you know... All our best wishes. I hope he overcomes uh, the old battle with uh, with the cancer at the moment. But uh, you, know, you can just see that uh, he offers his time, never says no to anyone, and yeah. he's terrific in that respect. Could have told us to get stuffed a long time ago, <laughs> but he <laughs> keeps letting us talk to him. <laughs> Fantastic. Vinny Venezuela. That was uh, Johnny Warren on the Four Diego Soft Sombrero moment. The Four Diego's. Proudly brought to you by Tax Talk. We love to talk tax. Call one 366 639